If you're the only one in your book club who wants to read books that will change your life, you need a new book club. And we think you found it. I'm Heather. And I'm Susan. And can we be the first to say, welcome Welcome to to the the club. Thanks for sticking with us. And if you've been listening for the last couple of episodes, I'm just going to catch you up because we are deep into this story at this point. So I'm going to give you a little catch up here. So last episode, Noah Sips, remember he is a man of the soil and he made the very first winery. Or we think. And then slips. And it was that really weird story where something happened in that tent. Ham and and Canaan did something really wrong. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was definitely wrong enough that they were cursed. And Japheth and Shem tried to cover it up. Noah sees the hearts of his sons through their actions. And then he prophesies for their future. And the three sons then give birth to the genealogy of all the nations, 70 nations. Right. So now we have uh, the land is being filled and we have these 70 nations and we are actually at the end of our first division. So congratulations. Yes, You've made yes. it through the first, and there's basically only two. the first book in the series. Exactly. Almost. There's Not only because really, Genesis is the first book. Two divisions. I'm the first one, remember, is God in the world, which we're about to finish, where we covered creation, the fall, the flood, and today, the Tower of Babel. Next week, we'll get into the second division, which is the longer one, all about Abraham and his family. Susan's favorite part. Yeah, I love it. Today, though, the Tower of Babel. A lot of you have probably heard of the Tower of Babel because there's just stories out there about it. It all happens in this one chapter. And it has become this symbol of human ambition. And according to Britannica, the encyclopedia, it is thought to be the world's first skyscraper. Which is crazy if you think how they built a skyscraper back then. Right. Unfortunately, it did kind of sink into the sands, but they have found it. So let's talk about it. They need those NASA engineers (laughs) to go help them. And the problem was they built the bricks out of kind of like more dirt and sand. So, you know, it doesn't rain a lot there, but what rain has happened washes out of way. Anyway, these towers are a little bit like pyramids, but a little not. And they're called ziggurats. And there have been about 30 that they've actually discovered in the region of Babylon, which is in modern day Iraq, just south of Baghdad. As a structure, if you can picture, they're kind of stair-stepped, pyramid-shaped buildings, usually square at the base. So, you know, just they step up smaller and smaller, which was kind of probably very easy geometry for them. And they're usually 60 to 200 feet wide. And the main feature is this stairway that steps up and leads to the very top. Now, the funny thing is, at the top, there is a small room with usually, often, a bed and a table set out there for whatever deity they had built this. For those of you musicians out there, this is the literal stairway to heaven. Heaven. Exactly. Exactly. The people believed that the stairway, now this is the silly part, was a convenience for a god to come down and bless the people. Like he needed a stairway. And then when they were just trying to make it easy on him, like, come on down It's what were they thinking that he gets halfway down, you know, or like from heaven to the top and he needs to take a rest in the bed? I don't know. Well, could they go up there? They could go up too, right? Yeah, they could go up. So if you think about it, like they just wanted to get close and the closer, the higher you get, the closer you get to God. Yes, they did want to have the view of God, I think. So the purpose, we know the purpose, the function of the ziggurat from the names of the ziggurats that have been discovered. So check out these names. They're pretty transparent. Etim. 
Temenaki, I'm going to butcher these, but it means temple of the foundation of heaven and earth. So the place where heaven and earth are going to be. Larza means temple that links heaven and earth. And Atsapar means temple of the stairway to pure heaven. Ziggurats were obviously built to worship and somehow bring man closer to God, like you said. Now, the Tower of Babel, the ziggurat specifically, now I want to talk about the Tower of Babel. The ziggurat believed to be the Tower of Babel was actually identified by satellite and was 100 meters square and 100 meters tall. And 100 meters is about 328 feet. So, you know, a football field is 100 yards. So think about it. It's like a little bit longer than a football field and a little bit taller than a football field. At the base. And then they start going up from there, right? Yes. And then it's, you know, football field tall, which by today's skyscraper, that's not very tall. Our sky, I think, you know, gosh, I looked it up. The Empire State Building, I want to say is like 528 feet tall or even taller. I can't remember, but this is not that tall. So it's as big as a football field, a little bigger and almost as tall or half as tall no, as the Empire as, State Building. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Not as tall as the Empire State Building, but taller than a football field would be long. Okay. So if you, it's kind of square, you know. And it's still there in modern day Iraq. We modern can see day that Iraq. on the- Well, you can't see it as a ziggurat. It's like sunk down. And so what they've done, it was covered over for years and years. Again, like I said, the bricks are actually built out of mud. And so rain and weather wore them down. And then they said it kind of sank into the sand and then it was covered over, but they have found it. And that's why satellite found it. Cause I guess satellite is kind of like an x-ray of the earth maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Like ge- geographically, yes. they could see where it was. Yes. So it is in modern day Iraq and the Smithsonian Institute and the British Museum have evidence of the Tower of Babel other than just these runes they found. They have evidence of that it actually existed. There is a tablet that was found with an image name description of the Tower of Babel and a picture of the king who built it. Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. So um, it tells the story. It's a really neat relief. And I'll put that in the show notes um, where it's all written out how it was built. And the um, the the uh, British Museum and the Smithsonian Institute have said this exactly matches what it says in the Bible, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Apparently, if you visit Babylon, Babylon today, you will be disappointed to find some really garish buildings around there because they were constructed by Saddam Hussein. The neighborhood went downhill. Exactly. He, he tried to re- regenerate it. <laughs> <laughs> but in his own way. And the bricks that he used to rebuild parts of the city uh, have his name inscripted on them, uh, perhaps in an attempt to replace the renowned King Nebuchadnezzar, the original builder of Babylon. So um, a trip over there might be disappointing. Now this plays into the overarching symbol of the Tower of Babel, whether you are Sodom or Saddam Hussein or Nebuchadnezzar. And that was Babel and Babylon were built as a symbol of human ambition, contrasted to ambition for the Lord. They, yeah. It wasn't built to glorify God. These was, kings wanted them to worship them. Exactly. They wanted to be remembered like Saddam Hussein. He put his name in all the bricks. So he wants to be remembered long after he's died as the builder of this city, like the great king. Oh, he'll be remembered. All right. So in verse one is where we start to find out why they built this city. Verse one. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Eastward again is that continuation of the eastward alienation from the Garden of Eden. First by Adam and Eve, we read, then by Cain. And now the people who will become the mighty Babylonians who will, spoiler alert, eventually take Israel captive. These same people who built the Tower of 
Babel, become the Babylonians and take, destroy the temple once it's built years from now. We're not going to get into that in Genesis, but they will finally build a temple in the promised land and the Babylonians will take them captive and destroy the temple. So eventually the Egyptians, so the Babylonians are really the early Egyptians? No, different I thought it was the Egyptians that took them captive. No. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me. No, don't listen to her. (laughs) All right, keep going. Verse three, they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. All right. So the people had become so comfortable in their sophisticated city that pride overcame them and spreading their own name became more important than the spreading, spreading the name of God, which is what he commanded them to do. And their pride led to their desire to stay, which led to disobedience because God had told them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. And instead they started getting comfortable where they were and saying, oh, we're such a great city. We're so this, we're so that. And that's where they started building and creating bricks and things that as nomads in the past, they wouldn't have done. So can I ask you a question? Which are these descendants of? These are descendants of Ham? Yes. These are descendants of Ham. The cursed Ham Correct. From our story with Correct. Noah. Correct. Got it. Correct. And But actually, they're all kind of, I think, mixed up because they're going to disperse and Shem's people are going to leave, but we're getting ahead. But yes, the people who stay there, the Babylonians are. Verse five. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come. Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Okay, so first, I don't want you to miss this funny image. Again, I'm picturing this big, huge thing that they have spent years to build and they put a little bed and a little table at the top. And then the Lord says, let us go down. Like, is he being sarcastic here? Is he saying, come on, let's go down. They built this for us. Let's go down and take a peek. Who is God talking to, number one? He says, we. Let us, just like in the beginning. Yes, yeah. Who's he talking to? to. And seriously, they didn't have to go down. He's being facetious. They could see the whole thing, but it's almost like he's humoring them. Oh, they've made a little dollhouse for us. Let's go down and take it. Okay, we'll use your stairway. (laughs) We'll go down and sleep in the bed. Let's go down and sit that little table and sleep in that little bed just to mess with the humans or, you know, play in their dollhouse. So I do think he's being a little funny there. I don't know. Again, I'm reading into it, but I do think it's kind of curious. Nowhere else that I can think of in the Bible does he say, let's go down and visit. Verse eight. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. All right. Really short story here. I mean, when you, when we, we all kind of heard of the Tower of Babel, but that's it. That's really the story. But the bigger Bible book theme here. So if we're talking not about just this chapter, not about the book of Genesis, but the bigger Bible thing. There is a bigger one here. And I think that's why we like to think of this so much. Like obviously the 70 nations, this is how language is developed, but let's look forward a little because really you can compare the tower to the building of the tower to the building of the temple. And when I say the building of the temple, you know, in the New Testament, when they talk about the building and the tearing down of the temple, they're really talking about Jesus. Right. And then this is kind of in in the New New Testament, a reversal of the effects of Babel. The word Babel, it, it dispersed everyone. 
on. The reverse is bringing them together. Everyone. So let's cover it it, to break it down. So first, men succumb to temptation in the Tower of Babel, and they build this tower to make a name for themselves among the nation. If you compare that to Jesus, he refuses to be tempted when he comes out of the desert, you know, his 40 days in the desert. He has this meeting where Satan tempts him three different times. And the final one is Satan offers Jesus the worship of all the nation. Which is hilarious because he's already got that. Right. If he bows down to him, and that's in Matthew 4. And of course, Jesus refuses all the nations when in Babel, it was the creation of all the nations. And here Jesus is refusing to be tempted by that. Then the nations are dispersed in confusion and different languages. But after Jesus dies at Pentecost, men are united in language and understanding of the word when the Holy Spirit dispenses. Right. So if you've never read the Pentecost story, what happens is it's after Jesus has already gone to the cross and they're having basically like a church service and then all this fire comes down and they all start talking crazy, but they all can understand each other. And that's what we have talking in tongues. So you're right. It's the exact opposite Opposite. of this. They all understood each other. Even though they spoke spoke different languages, they all understood being that. So that this is kind of interesting. The same tower builders, the Babylonians, actually take Israelite captive and destroy the temple. So the people who build, I already kind of mentioned this, the people who build the tower take the Israelites captive and destroy the temple. Now, in the same way, Rome takes Jesus captive and tries to destroy him. And in, in John Two, it says, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. But they're not successful. So what the Babylonians succeeded in tearing down the physical temple, the Romans did not succeed in because Jesus rose again. My last point is this. God goes down to disperse man from building this tower to glorify themselves. Christ becomes man and goes down from heaven to save and build the church. So God in the Old Testament goes down to stop them from building these towers. Christ comes down to build his church. There's a verse in Psalm 118.22 and it says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And that verse is repeated seven times in the New Testament by Matthew, Mark, Luke, Paul, and Peter. And a couple of them mentioned it twice. That's why it's seven. In reference to Christ being the cornerstone. So there was this building when they they built the temple. Apparently there was this stone that had been pulled out and was then, they didn't know what they were going to use it for. And they ended up making it the cornerstone. Well, the point here is that Jesus is that cornerstone. So this is really cool. And this is a Bible bender for me. Heads up. In the primary meaning of the Psalm, the illustration seems to have been drawn from one of the stones which was quarried, hewn, and marked away from the site of the temple, which the builders, ignorant of the head architect's plans, had put on one side as having no place in the building, but which was found afterwards to be that on which the completeness the completeness of the structure depended. So you understand, we're talking about the actual physical building, the temple, but we're also talking about Jesus. So this stone had been left aside and then they figured out, oh my gosh, we really need that stone. Maybe it wouldn't have sunk if they had just left it where it was in the first place. Well, this isn't Babylon. This is the temple, silly. The term translated cornerstone refers to a capstone. So when I first, when I've always heard these verses, I thought a cornerstone was kind of like in the foundation. It actually is not. It's a capstone placed at the top of a corner where two walls come together. It's a piece of the building essential to its integrity that holds the entire structure together. Jesus was the stone God had chosen to be the capstone 
capstone, the cornerstone on which the two walls, one the Jews and one the Gentiles, met and were bonded together to build his church. I think this is the coolest compare and contrast that you just did here because it really illustrates why you read both the Old Testament and the New Testament and why you have to understand the historical significance of both. Exactly. Exactly. And so God built this church, this this building, the temple, and also Jesus in a way that the Babylonians never could have built anything that would have made them like God. Which is why we needed Jesus. And we still do today. Exactly. So Babel, Babylon's final destruction is prophesied. And in Revelation, so you know, in the end, I'm going to give you the end just so you know what happens to Babylon. Yes. Spoiler alert. Yes, they tear down the temple. And yes, they are this evil force against Israel. But in Revelations, John describes the complete reversal of Babylon. Revelations 18.10 says this, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour, your judgment has come. Then again, in Revelation 21, John describes the new city of Jerusalem where God and people live together in unity. As opposed to Babylonians who were dispersed in confusion. Yes, yes. My note here on this Tower of Babel as we close out on that is a life built apart from God's plan will ultimately fall apart. And that's what they tried to do. They tried to make a name for themselves outside of God's plan. His plan was that they were to fill the earth and they didn't. Now, thinking about Babel today and just the craziness that's going on in our culture, I kind of felt like there was a use of this language division that kind of is playing out today. And is the enemy using the same strategy that God used? So to explain myself, okay, so God came down and dispersed them. He separated them by language because if they couldn't communicate, they were just going to start to like form their little groups of who they could understand and say, let's go start another village because I'm not getting these people. And that's what they did. They all left except the Babylonian stayed. So it's so interesting to me today that we are learning to speak different languages on different social platforms. There's so many now. And whether it's your religious beliefs or your political beliefs or whatever, you kind of find this platform that you learn to speak in and you live there and you hear just the one language that you want to hear, which you've curated for yourself. And instead of uniting us, it's kind of creating division and it's being divisive. And, And so I just wonder if Satan has learned from the Lord and is trying to divide us by using his tactics of creating these languages that we all speak in, whether it's, you know, TikTok or Twitter. Social media or otherwise, we're just getting more and more divided anyway. It's dividing generations. It's dividing races. It's dividing, you know, believers. And and it's kind of scary to me. And you're right about the fact that he probably did learn from God because he's super smart and super crafty. And he's like, hey, it worked for him. So now I'm going to try it. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Just think about that. That's just my one thought on the whole thing and watching what's going on in our world. All right. Now that we know that the 70 nations are dispersed to do what God wants and fill the earth, we're going to focus on just one nation going forward, like I said, starting in chapter 12. But before we get there, of course, we have to cover the genealogy of how we got there. My favorite part of the book. (laughs) So the genealogy continues. Now, remember, we covered the genealogy of the 10 generations from Adam to Noah. 
Noah in Genesis 5. And now we're going to cover the next 10 generations from Shem to my main man, Abraham. Which, as a reminder, is the line from which Jesus eventually will come. Correct. From Shem to Abraham. This is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. And after he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he became the father of Peleg. And after he became the father of Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and had other sons and daughters. When Peleg had lived 30 years, he became the father of Ru. And after he became the father of Ru, Peleg lived 209 years and had other sons and daughters. When Ru had lived 32 years, he became the father of Sarug. And after he became the father of Sarug, Ru lived 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarug had lived 30 years, he became the father of Nahor. And after he became the father of Nahor, Sarug lived 200 years and had other sons and daughters. When Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Abram's family, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans and in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. There you have it. We are caught up to chapter 12. I did put three great videos in the show notes if you are an archaeologist and you want to kind of follow along about the Tower of Babel. It's the Smithsonian and the British Museum and Britannica. So that's going to lead us into the story, the fun story of all the patriarchs that are the cornerstone of um, the family that's going to become the family of, of Jesus. But um, did you notice when I was reading through those those names, <laughs> those names, <laughs> the fun names that I get to pronounce, that they start having children younger, mm-hmm. but they also start dying younger. Right, right. Their time is getting shorter. Mm, that might be significant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fox said kids will do it to you. It's true. <laughs> What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to SusanMe.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio. Edited by Buck Buchanan. Produced by Haley Mawatt.